turn to James 2. We are now in verse 14 as we are going through the book of James. I'd like to introduce you, first of all, to... This is my dog. I bet you'll never guess what this dog's name is. Spot. That's right. So this is my dog. So for my dog, this is my dog. I've been working with this dog for a long time. So I'm going to take this right here, and I'm going to put this dog right here. I've been working on this real long. So stay. Okay, that's that's... That took me about a year to accomplish that. So Spot's going to come and visit us a little bit later, but I really wanted you just to meet Spot because he has an important lesson to teach us a little bit later in this uh, Bible study sermon. And so when we're looking today in James, I want us to realize that what we're talking about today is just very, very important in the way of our theological foundation of how we live and what James is saying with uh, to us today out of his word. Remember, as James is speaking to us, he is speaking to us because God is speaking through James. Uh, if you remember the very first uh, time we had the Bible study together on the book of James, you know, he's inspired by God, so he is inspired by God in writing down, and yet God used his personality, and God used the area around him and what was going on to be able to say God's word. So when we're looking at the book of James, we see that James is uh, really God's words. And so in verse 14, we get now into something that is very, very important in our Christian walk. And James addresses a couple of items. He addresses the items of faith, and he addresses the items of works. And all throughout history, which we'll go through in just a minute, we have had an issue of faith and works. Many people believe that you have to work your way to get to heaven, and yet, biblical Christianity teaches us in Romans and in Galatians, and then also in James, it teaches us that the way that you are saved is through faith only, through faith alone. You are justified through faith. That's in Romans 3. If you read 3.20 on, you see that. That's in Galatians 6. And James comes now, and James talk, starts talking about faith and works. It is not contradictory what he is saying. What it is really, and I heard uh, a scholar say this, instead of Paul and James looking face to face, talking about faith and works, they're really back to back. Uh, Paul is talking about your faith to God, to get saved to God. Paul, uh, James is talking about your faith how other people are going to see your faith and if how people will see your faith. And he's basically saying that if we have faith in God and if we have that faith that we should have in God, then what is going to automatically happen in our life is it is going to produce works. It is going to produce uh, fruit in our life. And that's where we are today. And so let's go to James 2, 14 through 26 as we read this uh, passage here. It says, What is a prophet, my brethren, if someone has faith but does not have works? 
can faith save him? He's asking that question. If a brother or sister is naked or dissolute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace and be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things that are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now that scripture right there is just very important, and we'll come back to that. But faith, if it does not have works, is dead. Now nowhere is that saying that if you have faith, it's saying that if you have faith and then you do not have works, that is, means your faith is dead. Still, faith is the only way that we're going to come to God. And so what James is saying to the world, the world will know that we have faith in our heart by the fruit or by the works that we have. And so I need to explain where we are with that. It says, but someone says, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son at the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent it on another way? For as the body is without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So James comes now and talks to us about the relationship for a Christian between faith and works. Not arguing that faith, James knows that faith alone is what saves you. But when you have faith the way that God wants us to have faith in Him, we will automatically show works. It's just automatic part of a Christian walk. And so He is saying to us that yet if you have a faith and you do not have works, then that faith is dead. Very important for our Christian walks. He's talking about our relationship to the world, not our relationship to God. Our relationship to God is faith, to God, because God gives us, gives us grace, and then we have faith to believe God, we are saved. See, biblical faith is this. It's a firm conviction. It's a firm conviction that you agree with God's revelation and truth. And that revelation and truth toward our life is this. The revelation and truth is, is that we are sinners, and that we need to be forgiven of our sins. And so biblical faith is you have that conviction that you are a sinner before God. And then it also is this. It also is, is that with that conviction, you have a personal surrender, that you surrender to God. So faith is more than just, oh, I, I just believe that God died. I mean, the devil believes it's that you have a firm conviction in God's revelation and truth to our life that we have sinned. And because we have sinned in our life, we need Jesus. 
And then a personal surrender. If you look in John chapter 1, especially in, even in John chapter 3, about what Christ has done for us, you're going to see that you have to surrender to God. And yet it's not only that, but in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, where it talks about us being a new creature, the whole word faith represents threefold. And that is this. If we are a new creature, a new creation, after we have personally surrendered to God, then what happens in our life is our works or how we live our life will be different. Because a new creature lives different than the old creature. And so it's a constant struggle in our Christian walk to walk with God the way biblical faith wants us to walk with God. And that denotes that with faith automatically will come works based on we have a conviction of what God wants us to do, we personally surrender to God, and because we have become a new creature, then what happens is we strive and we work out our salvation to be able to walk with God and so the world can see that we are light of Jesus Christ, that we are the light of Christ. And so the world should see that we are the light. This is what basically what James is saying here. And so a biblical faith produces works. And if you look at the world today, you're going to understand this. You have biblical Christianity. And that is what the Bible tells us. Biblical Christianity. That's God coming, sending His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. You have biblical Christianity, and then you have other religions. I don't even put Christianity. You're going to hear the world say that Christianity is a religion. Biblical Christianity is biblical Christianity. And yet you have many other religions in this world, and the difference between biblical Christianity and in the rest of the religions of the world, the majority of the religions of the world, is that biblical Christianity... Faith is what saves you. Many of the other religions of the world, what saves you or gets you to heaven is your works. And so people in other religions in the world, they are trying to work their way to heaven. That's why I was talking to you about the difference between biblical Christianity. Isn't it wonderful to know that for Jesus Christ, that, that God came and sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross and by our faith, by us believing because of His grace on our life and us believing and having that firm conviction and that surrender to God that we, at that point, we get saved. Isn't that wonderful to know? That we don't have to go and do a bunch of stuff to be able to get saved. You know, I looked at other religions. I looked at this. Biblical Christianity in the world, uh, there's the number that the world or that you see many times is that there's 2.5 billion people that say that they are Christian. Okay, 2.5 billion. That's a lot in a world of about 7.5 billion people. And then, but yet biblical, biblical Christianity works are an evidence of your salvation, whereas these other religions, what they are is your salvation is based on your works. See, Hinduism, let's take Hinduism. In the world today, there's 1.5 billion, 1.5 billion Hindus in the world. The Hindus have 330 million gods. 
How would you like to have 330 million gods? And what they try to do is they try to appease all of them by what they do. And so you can imagine it's hard to just make one person happy on this world. Can you imagine trying to make 330 million gods happy? And so this is what they do. They're trying to make 300 million. And they do this by a system of where they do yoga and then they do improvement of your health and then they try to get to the part of a supreme deity of Hinduism and what happens is is that if you are good and you do this then what happens is it enables you to die and then you come back as something else and then you die again and you come back as something else and every time that you're better on the earth you come back as something a little bit more and a little bit more until you get the ultimate goal and that is you know they worship they worship cows they worship cattle that's kind of the ultimate god and so what it is is that you if you work hard enough in hinduism then each time you are re have are reborn each time reincarnation happens then you're just a little bit better each time until you achieve that goal that's hinduism and they have one point 1.1 billion i'm sorry 1.1 billion people in this world are following that. That strictly works. Now you look at also one of the most popular religions in the world is Buddhism. Buddhism really is all about works. Now they don't really worship Buddha. What they do is they try to get this, they use the word nirvana. And nirvana is the ultimate state of happiness. And so they're all trying to get to this state of nirvana. And the way they do this is based, they have to have, they have to go through the four noble truths, which is you need to suffer on this world, how you deal with suffering, and then you go through what they call the noble eightfold path. Throughout your whole life, you have to have the right view of things, you have to have the right intentions in everything, you have to have the right speech, the right actions, the right livelihood, the right effort the right mindfulness, and the right concentration. You do that, and you're going to reach nirvana. Good luck. <laughs> Isn't it great that we live under a God that loves us and knows that many times when we mess up, we can go to the foot of the cross and ask Him for forgiveness, and His grace gives us that forgiveness right there? But if you're in... The Buddha religion, what, ha- what it is, is that you have to do this, and then, of course, what happens is each life you get a little bit better and a little bit better, and finally you reach nirvana, the eightfold. Then you have Islam, which right below Christianity is the next highest of people religion in the world. Islam is 1.8 billion. It's paradise. The paradise is achieved when Allah weighs your good works against your bad works, and if your good works are better, then that's how you get into heaven. That's what happens. It's in the Bible, their Quran. It says this, for those things that are good, remove those things that are evil. And then later on in the Quran, it says this, the bounce that day will be true. Those whose scale of good works will be heavy, will prosper. Those whose scales will be light will find their soul in perdition. And so the Quran is saying that to be able to be, get to heaven, you have to do 
works. They call it the five pillars. They call it just living a good life. The five pillars of faith from the Muslim is, is that you profess the faith, that you perform rituals five times a day, that you pray alms and pay taxes, that you have a pilgrimage to Mecca, and that you fast during their holy time. And so that is what they're saying. You do that, and then you live a good life. And then when you die, uh, Allah measures, measures you. And if, if your good outweighs your bad, then you're going to make it. And then even in areas of Judaism and, and other religions, it's where they're trying to do something to get into heaven. And yet James is saying to us that it is very clear that we do not have to do works to get to heaven. We do not have to. And I praise God, and we should praise God tonight, that we live with a God that shows grace in our life. And through faith in Him, we are going to spend that time in heaven with God because God loved us so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross for our sins. And because of that grace that he sent to us and the faith that he gives us, we do not have to do a bunch of stuff to be able to get saved. As Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift to God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation by grace, it is God's side. We are on God's side. God wants us to he wants us to prosper. He wants us to go through this life. And it is through grace, it is through faith that God saves us. Romans 3, 27, 28. Where is the boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Question mark. No, by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. A living, breathing faith that comes from God alone. And I pray tonight that if you're here tonight and you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm here to say you don't have to do anything to win God's love towards you. God already loves you. You don't have to do anything, recite anything. You ask Jesus Christ and you have that conviction in your heart that you're a sinner and you make that personal surrender to God. And what's going to happen is God is going to come into your heart God's going to save you, and from that moment on, you are saved before God. And there's nothing better than that, and I am so grateful that I live, and I've, I'm saved by a God who has given us that ability to be saved without any kind of works to do. And yet, it is very clear, but because God has done that for us, and James is very clear, because God has done that for us, that because that faith is so strong, and because that faith is so powerful, and because that faith transforms us so much, there will automatically be a change in our life, and we will work and produce fruit for God. And so we're not the ones that make the judgment, even though... It is clear that James is saying that the world will know us by how we live. The world will know us by what our faith is like. And if we have a faith in God that God is talking about here, we are automatically, 
and we will live for God. So I ask you tonight, how is your faith? How are you living out your faith? I believe that you can get saved by asking Jesus Christ in your heart, on your knees, and personally surrendering to God. However, we must tell people that come to know Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior that when you ask Jesus into your heart and you believe in your heart and God has raised him from the dead and you are saved, there will be a change in your life. And that's what James is saying. He's saying in those scriptures that we said, faith without works is dead. It says, God wants us to know he wants you to bear his fruit. He wants you to be a light in this world. And so I put in your notes that first thing. I made up a word, and they've asked me about it two or three times, but this is really what I wanted, is I put a faithful, a faithful life bears fruit. I know it's faithful. I know it's F-A-I-T-H-F-U-L, but I wanted to put a faithful, because when you're full of faith, the kind of faith that has saved your soul, and you're so grateful that God has saved your soul, you can't help but to produce fruit in this world around us. You know, you think about back when you were first saved, and all of us are like this, and I think it's a constant daily relationship with the Lord but many of us, if we look back at how excited we were and how much our lives had changed, and then over the years, the years went and the years came and, the, and things happened, and pretty soon what happens is we're not witnessing as much as we should, and we're not smiling as much as we used to, and we're, not, and we're getting mad at people more than we used to. And what happens is, is before we know it, we have no fruit at all. And that's the way the devil wants to get us. And yet a faithful life bears fruit. John 15, 1 through 8 says, I'm the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the world which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So that's saying we're never going to be able to bear the kind of fruit God wants us to unless we stay with God. So the relationship with God is faith only, but then it's getting close, being filled with the Spirit every day to be able to be the light and to be the, be the light more and to be the light more. And if we see ourselves not producing fruit, what that means is that means that somewhere along the way, our faith has gotten dead. Our faith has gotten stale. And God wants us to get on our knees and say, okay, God, I'm ready to go. It says, if anyone, it says in verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and withered, and they gather and throw him into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. But this, my Father, is glorified, that you bear much fruit. 
so that you will be my disciples. So God is asking us, God is saying to us, really saying to, commanding us, we bear fruit for God to the world. And that's what James is saying. James is saying you see someone here uh, naked and desolate. You see them that they, they have nothing and you just say, well, I'm praying for you and send them on their way. They're saying that that's, that's a dead faith. That's a faith. I mean, the world can do that. And just like we talked about last week with the poor person. And, you know, you, they come into the church and you put the poor people in the back and you put the rich people in the front. And you're looking really, even though they're both Christians, you're looking on the outside instead of on the inside. And God wants us to be people that look on the inside of people. That everyone needs to know Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. And if that person is already a Christian, they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we treat everyone as a brother and sister in Christ. And that's how the world knows our fruit. That's how churches will be changed. That's how this lost and dying world that we have right now will be changed because they will see that you bear fruit. When, when I say fruit, what am I talking about? Well, the best way to explain that is to turn to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. You've heard it before. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so the fruit, Christians, work out your salvation to be able to live these every day. And so I thought just to, and I'll, I'll do this fast, but I want, I've looked up the words, every one of these words in Greek, looked up what they meant looked up how we should be, because if God's telling me I need to be this way, and this is the fruit that he wants me to have, and then he also says to me, if I don't have these, if, if I really don't bear fruit, then my faith is dead, then I want to do what I need to do to please God, don't you? Don't you want to please God? I think we all need to please God, because of all that God has done for us, sending his only begotten son on the cross. And so the first one is love. Now, love is basically this. It's God's love. It is, it is attitude that God had toward His Son. That's how we treat everybody. That's how we need to be toward everybody else. The same attitude that God had toward His Son. Loved His Son so much, but yet at the same time, God sacrificed His Son. That is what that word basically means. And so for us, and to have fruit in this world, we need to love people the way God loved His Son. He also, it also means this, the way God loves the human race. And we know God loves the human race, right? God loves the human race because God sent Jesus Christ to die for the human race. And so there should be, as one of the signs of fruit of a live faith, of a faith that is exciting, a faith that is walking with God, is that we love the human race. And God's church, there's no room for politics, there's no room for cultural stuff. There's loving people to bring them to Jesus Christ. That's it. That's how we must be. We must love people to bring them to Jesus Christ because all this one day is going to end. And when this ends, there's a heaven and there's a hell. And all the people that tried to work their way into heaven, they're going to realize it didn't work. But we know what works. So that's how much we should love people. The joy that we already talked about a little bit, 
the Greek word joy basically just means this, a calm delight in a tough time. Doesn't mean happy. It means a calm delight. That means inside, when everything else is going crazy, we're like this, inside. That takes a lot, doesn't it? And I'll tell you what, only God can do that for you. And that's why you need to have a strong faith. That's why you need to stay in the Word every day. And why you need to grow, because only God can give you that calm delight. Peace. Peace means this, quietness. It means this, to set at one again. How many times has your mind been everywhere? And you're thinking of this and thinking of this and thinking of this and thinking of this and you're thinking of this and your life's doing this and your life's doing this and your life's doing this and God says, I'm the Prince of Peace. I've sent the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. And Jesus looks at us and said, trust me, I'll set you at one again. I'll give you peace. I'll get your mind focused on the Prince of Peace. And he'll get your life back the way it needs to. We try everything, but we need to turn to that Prince of Peace to have peace. Even in the times of our lives, even when we're Christians, we need to have that. It's just a quietness to set at one again. And then patience. Patience basically means this. And that's why in some of your Bibles you're going to see the word long-suffering. It means this. Patience means long temper. Some of us need to have a long temper. Because the opposite of long temper is what? Short temper. And that never really ends very well. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Or if you work with someone, you know what I'm talking about. It just doesn't work well. Really. And so one of the fruits, one of the ways that we work, what God says one of the works of our faith is this, to have a long temper. Kindness. In a sense, it's this, doing what is upright. Doing what is righteous. Doing what is right according to the Word of God. Not according to the world. Because the world has a different standard for what is right than the Bible has for what is right. So kindness and goodness, it's kind of the same. It's a different Greek word, but it's kind of the same thought when you have kindness. Kindness is basically doing what is upright, doing what is righteous, whereas goodness is having the desire to be able to do what is upright and that goodness. So kindness and goodness is together is that we should have the desire that we want to do what is right. And so when you come into a situation and you're at work or you're at home or you're somewhere and everybody's going crazy then you do, and you should have the desire to do what God wants you to do, which is right and righteous. And the only way we know that is to have a strong faith, and the only way we can have a strong faith is spending time with God, well, getting saved, but then spending time with God every day because the Holy Spirit is who produces the fruit in our life. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to see more of this fruit. And so when we don't see more of this fruit, when I don't see more of this fruit in my life, that really only means one thing. I haven't been spending enough time with God. 
You know, what is it if you miss one, one day of, of your Bible reading, you, God knows. If you miss two days, you know. If you miss three or four days, everyone knows. Because you're not getting continuously filled by God. So it's patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness is that word basically just faithful. It's faith. It's a firm persuasion. It's a conviction. It's a conviction based on hearing. And because we heard from God that we are sinners, it's that firm conviction. I'm faithful to God, and I'm going to stand with God. And I'm not going to let the world tell me what I should or should not believe. I'm going to let the Word of God tell me what I should and should not believe. And that's faithful. That's being faithful to the one who, through His grace and your faith, you got saved through His grace. And so you're faithful to Him. It's not so much faithful to other people, even though it is, I mean, that's a part that comes part of it, but it's being faithful to God and how we live. That's why we need to love one another, because God says to love one another. And then it says gentleness. Gentleness is not just outward behavior only, which is kind and gentle and stuff like that. What it is, is it's a grace of the soul, and that your, your thought in the morning is this. Your thought in the morning is, I want to make, do is whatever I can to make somebody's life better so they can come closer to the Lord, whether they're a Christian or whether they're not a Christian. And so it's just not by doing outside being gentle that way. It's an inside saying, I'm going to do whatever I can do to be gentle in this world that's mean and a world that's cruel, and I want to be gentle to people. And then the last one is self-control. That, just, that Greek word basically just means strength, that you have strength. And the only way you're going to have strength in this world that we have right now and today, the only way we're going to have strength is because the Holy Spirit is filling us. So when James, that's a lot of stuff, isn't it? You know, and we're supposed to have, have a sermon or a Bible study and read this and you know I'm trying to find okay basically he's saying my faith faith without works is dead and this stuff's hard to do isn't it so how do you do it you lean on Jesus the one who you believed in that day in your faith And so everyone in this room, we need to think in our minds, how is my faith? Remember Spot? He did good, didn't he? You know, Spot, the only thing he's ever learned how to do is stay. He's never barked. I've thrown stuff. Go get it. Fetch. He never barks. He never eats. He never protects me. I told him to roll over. He didn't roll over. He didn't do anything like that. You know, he's he's my dog. Well, I say he's my dog. But really what it is, is a lifeless imitation. 
He's a lifeless imitation of a dog. I just hope that when I'm face to face with God, that my Christian faith produced works for God because I love God so much that I'm not a lifeless imitation. I never want to be a lifeless imitation. I want to be a person that bears fruit for God because God saved my soul. And I think everybody in this room, I think you want to do that too. And so the question tonight is, how's your faith? Reading James, listening to what I said, how's your faith? And I challenge myself, and the Holy Spirit will challenge everyone else. But as the Holy Spirit challenged me, and as I challenged myself, I want to have a live faith. I want to be able to read James 2 and go, God, thank you for the faith. Thank you for filling me with the Holy Spirit. And God, help me every day to have the fruit of your Holy Spirit. That's the challenge. It's a big call, isn't it? but we have a big God. And God will give you that strength. And so whatever you're dealing with and whatever fruit that you feel like you're missing of all those that we did, you spend time with God. And what's going to happen is you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you have Jesus in your heart, that Holy Spirit's going to fill you. And then what's going to happen is automatically because your love for Him, you're going to see that this fruit is just going to come out. And you're going to love people more. You're going to have more joy. You're going to have more peace. You're going to have more patience because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't do it through works. We do it through the Holy Spirit who gives us the fruit. Amen? So let's bow our heads tonight. You know, many tonight, if you, if you are here tonight and you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I had talked earlier in the uh, Bible study, the sermon about how to be saved, and I, if you're here tonight and you need to ask Jesus Christ into your heart, you can ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and forgive you for your sins, and you will be saved. Now, we have an invitation to be able to help you with that, but you can do that right now just with these words. Say, Dear Jesus, I never had faith in you, but tonight I want to have faith in your grace. I'm a sinner, God. Come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. Thank you for saving me. Maybe you're here tonight and your faith has just kind of gotten stole, just weak. Maybe tonight you need to just say to God, God, please, God, forgive me for that. God, let me spend time with you. Fill me, God, with your Holy Spirit in such a way that the fruit of the Spirit will come out in my life.
to a lost and dying world. Maybe that's where you are tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you're already a Christian and you're living for God. and You just wanted, came tonight. You know you've been looking for a church to join and tonight's the night that you're going to join a church. We're going to have an invitation in just a minute and tonight's that night. You can come for the, during the invitation and we'll talk to you and you can join our church. You know, we have an invitation for the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. But we also have an invitation. You can come forward if you got saved or if you want to join our church or if you just need prayer, come forward. Ministers are going to be up here. It's a time for you to just make a commitment to God. And so, Father, I pray and thank you for each one that is here tonight. Father, I thank you for James. I thank you, Father, that in our lives, he challenges us and you challenge us, God to live our faith out in the world, a lost and dying world. So, Father, during this invitation, if people need to make decisions, Father, as we're up front, we pray that we use, use this time, God, for lives to be changed. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.